Welcome to Faith Christian Church. You're listening to a message from one of our weekend services. For more information about service times, location, videos, and a whole lot more, check out our website at faithchristianmoston.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. And step outside of some of the, 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 the zones we've created, the boxes that we sort of hem ourselves in with. Uh, and we've talked about how we can sort of get out of those and, and, and be people who are loving others. And if just for me, uh, it's been a, a really great experience just talking about it. We've been talking about it sort of each week uh, in, within the staff and talking about how we begin to see people. When you really talk about this idea of getting out there and sharing your faith... You, you begin to see people a little bit differently. And I've even seen people in my own life that I maybe didn't know before that I think that maybe God has put me in their life so that you know, I, can, I can show them God's love and, and, and in many different ways. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning and talk about a really popular story and parable of Jesus. Um, but before we do that, let's go and just, let's just ask God uh, to be here and to speak to us in a word of prayer. God, I just thank you so much for everything that you're doing in our lives. And God, we've just learned over these last couple of weeks so much and it's been so challenging for us to think about how we can step out and how we can be part of the hope of salvation for others. God, we hope, it's, it's our prayer this morning that, that you would sort of bring out some of those things that you've placed within us, some of those, those hopes, those dreams, and those ways that, that we can be a part of what you're doing in the earth. God, I just thank you for this day and ask that you would speak to us through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we're going to be, t- we're going to be talking a little bit uh, this morning about how we can love people. And, you know, so often, you know, we get caught up in the strategy, you know, and sometimes when we're talking about evangelism, we're talking about a strategy that we can go and we can help convert someone from atheism to Christianity or whatever it might be. And, and, and as silly as it is for me to sort of say it like that, that's sometimes where Christians sort of get, get hung up, where we get like, oh, we, gotta, we have to share our faith because that's my Christian duty. But it goes a lot more, it goes deeper than that, as we're going to read in a story here in just a second, about how we can love people and especially how we can love people with actions. Now, I'm going to kind of think in your life as we begin here this morning about something nice that someone has done for you that made a lasting impact on your life. Something nice that somebody has done for you that has made an impact on your life. Um, I thought about this too as I was preparing this and it didn't take me long to realize one of the most profound things that had, has ever happened in my life to somebody that did something for me was probably an insignificant moment for the other person. Uh, I was at college and I went to college when I was 17 years old and uh, I was, you know, at first I was really excited about it and then I realized, you know, what a mistake I made moving nine hours away from my home and I'm all by myself and I got to try to make my own money and, and pay my own bills and all of these things and and I, was, I remember feeling like there was this feeling of I was like overwhelmed and I was kind of going through a little bit of a phase of like feeling overwhelmed with it and like feeling burdened by it and and I remember my roommate, he came to me and he, he, something was wrong with his car. I still don't know what it was. But he came to me and he said, hey, um, I, I need to borrow your car. And I said, okay, what for? He's like, well, I got this girl. And I think she's the one. And I said, does she know it yet? 
No, he did, she doesn't know it yet. Sure, you can borrow my car and take her on your first date. Um, this is first date, so. <laughs> first date, he borrows my car, and he calls me, and he said, he's like, Aaron, your car's acting a little funny. And I said, oh, okay, like, what's up? Is there, like, I don't know, like, low fuel or something? I'm thinking really simple. He's like, well, I opened the hood, and there's antifreeze shooting out of it, like, past my head, just, like, shooting out. And I said, gulp, that's not good, Right? I'm like the person who is like, like, I get so much anxiety over car problems. Does car problems ever like freak anybody else out? Like I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I open up an engine, I might as, I might open up the hood, I might as well be looking at a spaceship. I have no idea. Like it says oil, I can check oil. Like that's what I can do. I can fill washer fluid. That's, that's it. So I'm like sitting here and I'm like, I, I don't know. I just don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I, he, he's like, well, I got it parked in some parking lot, so it's there. So we had to go pick him up, and I'm sitting there, and I'm so nervous about it. And somebody overhears me talking about it and said, hey, I might know a guy that can help. He used to be a mechanic. Because I'm like, I, I don't know how I'm going to pay to repair this car. And so <laughs> I, I get a hold of this guy, and I call him at night. I woke him up in the middle. I woke him up at night. I didn't even realize it was like 1030 at night. And he's like, well, I'll take a look. So he goes and he picks my car up from this place. He takes it to his shop. Uh, the only thing that I had ever, I, I never, like at that point, had never even exchanged a face-to-face -face word. And he calls me and he's like, yep, you got a big problem here. You have antifreeze squirting out of your car. I'm like, yep, I know. Like, you know what to do. And he's like, well, of course I do. He's like, he's like well, you could take it into this place over here. And, and I said, how much is that going to cost? And he could tell, like, the sound in my voice. He's like, that's oh, probably going to be about five or $600. And I said, I don't even have five or $6. So I, I don't know how, what I'm going to do here. And I told him, like, oh, man, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And, and he said, I tell you what, I will tell you the parts to go get from the store. And you, I'll tell you the parts. You can write them down. Yeah, we weren't texting stuff back then. We were still writing stuff down. Shows you when I was going to college. Okay, so I go and I get the parts and I bring them to him. That's the first time I met him. And he's like, I'll give you a call later today. Well, two hours later, he, I, I go to pick my car up and he's like, it's all done. And I said, well, what do I owe you? And he's like, I just am going to have you pay for the parts. I'm just going to fix this for you. And, and, and to him, it probably was like nothing. It was a Saturday afternoon, and he was like, I guess I'm just going to work on this random stranger's car. And like, I, but I, I'll never forget. I don't remember the man's name, but I will never forget his act of kindness toward me. Like, I know that maybe seems simple to you, and you're like, well, why don't you just fix the part yourself? Why don't you fix the car yourself, you dummy? I mean, but that was just like, to me, it was as if he just gave me this gift of like hope and like all of the struggles that I had in that moment were just like washed away and restored my faith in God and humanity, like all in this moment of something that for him was probably insignificant. Have you ever had a moment in your life like that where it's like there was something that happened where it so dramatically changed you and for the other person it was just like another day walking in the park. I think that it's those moments for us as we look at how we can influence the world. It's those small moments of insignificant kindness that can sometimes make the biggest difference in people's lives. 
Like, like when, we, when we look at how we can reach people, we, we want to come up with strategies. We want to come up with things that we can do, these big glorious things. And I just like always try to think, and I always remind myself, have you ever just tried being a nice guy? Right? I mean, because we as Christians, sometimes we can get prideful within ourselves. We can think that we're bigger and greater than we are because we found God. But the truth of the matter is, without some kindness being lent to us, where would we be? So have you ever tried being a nice person? Have you ever tried just doing something nice and simple for someone? I want you to think about that a little bit as we read our story this morning. If you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Luke, chapter number 29, or it'll be on the screens behind us. And, and as we have sort of journeyed through this series, we've, I, I, I've began to like, and this has always been a prayer for me. It, my, my prayer, like I've, I've always tried to ask God, like, God, help me to see people the way that you see them. Because we, we as human beings, like, we don't see people the way God does. We, we see people through the lens of their own failures. We see people through the lens of our own failures. We see people through all sorts of different lenses, depending on your background. And, and if we don't ask God to help see people differently, we're going to find ourselves continuing to go into a cycle where we not only never share our faith, but we struggle to know what God's will is for our life, and we struggle to figure out where he is taking us. And so, when we talk about how we can change people with love instead of a strategy, and how we could help people and give them hope, then I think we'll be really intrigued by this verse in Luke chapter number 10. We'll start reading in verse 25. This is the story of the Good Samaritan. It's a really common story, but we're going to look at it in a little bit of a different light this morning. And verse 25 says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and when, when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, put him in the inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you might have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law, or a theologian, replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. There's a couple interesting things that are happening in this story. First, you have to understand a little bit of the culture of what's happening in order to 
really grasp what's happening because Jesus would have most likely in those days when people would be teaching, rabbis when they would be teaching people, they would sit down in front of another group of people listening sort of in a circle or a semicircle. They would also be sitting listening to the words of the teacher or the rabbi. If you wanted to ask a question, you could stand up from your seat and you could wait until the person who was teaching gave you an opportunity to ask your question just out of respect for the person who was teaching. This particular theologian, however, did not just stand up and wait to ask a question. The writer here makes a specific point to say that he stood up to test him. It's one of the greatest signs of disrespect that you could give a teacher would be to stand up and try to catch them in their words. So this man stands up and he, he begins to sort of, he asks Jesus this sarcastic question. Have you ever looked at this question and sort of asked yourself what he was really asking? Did, do you, did you catch the language of what he said? he said? He said, teacher, what do I have to do? What action do I have to do to inherit eternal life? That seems like sort of an oxymoron question, right? What do I have to do to gain an inheritance? Well, you don't get an inheritance by doing something good, right? It's either because you have a relationship with someone or you are a blood relative of someone. So what is he really asking Jesus? He's essentially asking Jesus in a very sarcastic way, how could it be possible that you would do anything to gain the inheritance that we, the Jewish people, have already received through our blood. He's saying, how preposterous would it be that you could actually earn it? So then Jesus answers a sarcastic question with a sarcastic question. He says, you're the theologian. What does your Bible say? And then he quotes Deuteronomy 6. And then... He quotes something else that is really interesting. He takes the words of Jesus, who used Deuteronomy 6, along with, you know, it's the whole, it's the classic Christian thing that we put on our fridge. Love God, love people, love God with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself. So he takes Deuteronomy 6, and then he takes Jesus' words, who Jesus said, you should also love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he said, you remember, in the great command. So he kind of throws it back at Jesus and says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, so, Jesus, who's my neighbor? So first of all, this, this theologian doesn't understand the purpose of Jesus being on the earth. The purpose of Jesus being on the earth is he's taking away the very ideology that this man is asking Jesus about. He's saying, you're asking me, <clears throat> what can I do to, in, to get this inheritance of eternal life? Jesus is saying, there's nothing that you can do to inherit eternal life, only receive the gift of salvation. There isn't any good works. There isn't any, oh, I'm better than so-and-so, so I'm good. It's like the old, you know, it's like, a, you know, it's like people that are watching a bear run at them. It's like, you know, they're going to start to run away. Well, I, you can't outrun a bear. No, but I can outrun you, you know. <laughs> That's how Christians think sometimes. Well, I mean, I'm not going to get, I mean, I'm not as bad as them. So I'm good. As long as I'm doing that, I am good. If I'm weighed in the scales, if I'm weighed in the balance, my good deeds will outweigh my bad. No matter how you put on that scale, the sin of your life will bring that, come, bring that scale crashing to the ground. So Jesus is saying that, that there's, there's only 
grace, there's only mercy, and you have to accept his gift. You have to accept this gift of salvation or there is no inheritance. So he's saying this. So then he said, so then who's my neighbor? It's interesting because if you were here last week, we talked about Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well. Do you remember that? And we talked about how the Jewish people would have seen the Samaritans. If you can imagine in our modern world, just just to recap, in our modern world, if you can imagine where you stand politically, imagine the person on the complete opposite end of the political spectrum. And that's how they viewed each other. Not just opposite ends of the political spectrum, but opposite ends of the political spectrum with plenty of fervor. So Jesus says, okay, just for your smart aleck question, I'm going to give you something that you really need to think about. He said, a Samaritan man found the one who was on the side of the road. What do you th- I want you to think about how much this man's blood was boiling. Right? Because he's like, Samaritan, what's he doing in this story? Gets all the way to the end, and he, he asked the man, he said, he said, which one of these people did, which one of these people did the right thing? He said, the, who was a neighbor? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Wouldn't even say the Samaritan. This is so interesting to me. And if you read this story, it should shake you to your core. Because we want to get all wrapped into like who we are as, as Christians and, well, I believe this and they believe that. And, 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 and if we just did the right thing and if this and and we begin to check all of these boxes and Jesus is over here saying, I don't really care what you say you are, what you say you aren't. If you want to look at the actions emulated, it doesn't matter if you think that person's good or you think that person's bad. The truth of the matter is what I want people to be is people who will love others. And, you're, and they're, they're, they're sitting here thinking, oh, that's a Samaritan. We might be sitting here thinking, oh, well, they belong to this group or they belong to that. Jesus is like, I'm not interested in that. I'm only interested in people being offered the love that I have through these actions. It should help us realize that if we are so stuck within ourselves that we can't see people the way God sees them, we won't be able to offer them the hope that has already changed us. We can get caught in both of these situations because we can be, it can be so easy for us once we find a relationship with God for us to say, all right, God, thank you for everything you did. Now, how can I earn it? Jesus is like, you can earn it. But what you can do is take the hope and the joy of salvation that's within you and share it. So our question to God and our prayer to God should be, how can we share this each day? Now this is something that I do my best to pray for as often as I can. I wish I could tell you, yep, I pray for it every morning, but I don't. As often as I can, I say, all right, God, give me Put some people in my life that I could share your love with, that I could be kind to today, that I could be, you know, I think we look for these grand moments. We look for these moments where it's like somebody walks into our office and, or somebody walks into our cubicle or place at work and they're like, you know, my life's a mess and I know you're a Christian. I just want you to pray the prayer of salvation with me right now. 
You've answered my prayer, God. I mean, I've been a Christian all my life. That's never happened to me. I mean, that kind of stuff just really doesn't happen. So if that kind of stuff doesn't happen, what are the things God's going to call you to do? He's going to call you to be a nice guy. I know that seems like, well, hey, it's more than that. We're talking about some basics here. There's a lot of Christians who would, because of the pride within their hearts, would turn away the opportunity to have a simple conversation with somebody that might have a lasting impact. And so God might not send you these big moments. He might just put people in your life where you could be, where you could give positive, hope, judgment-free conversation that could last for years and they realize, you know, the hope that's within that person is something that I want. Because we want to make it so big, but it isn't. It's just, you know, we want, we, want these, we want these appointments that God just begins to, that we're like, okay, God, I'm going to show up at work and there's all these things going to happen. I, I don't know about you, but like I'm the worst at keeping appointments. You know, like the thing you get from, you know, wherever you go, like, you know, I've been going to the chiropractor recently. They always give you a little card. That card is gone within 30 seconds of me leaving that place. I don't know what happens to it. Like, I, I mean, I check my pockets. It's just, it's just gone. And so if I like, I, I'm that guy that is going to call you three times that week. Hey, I have an appointment this week. I forgot when it was. Like, that's just me. So, like, I'm always, like, missing it. And so, like, when I think about, like, how I can strategically, like, help share God's love with people, like, I just have to pray, God, put somebody in my path that I can be nice to today. Put somebody in my path that I can do and have a nice gesture or a conversation with. Because that's where it begins. It's about relationship. It isn't about, you know, how much you know and, and all your experiences so much as it is being nice and sharing God's love through general, warm hopeful conversations. It's a little quiet in here, but that's okay. The problem sometimes is we get really caught up in our own lives. And that's just, and that's just it. Because, you know, I've got four kids and, you know, it just seems like I mean, when they're really little, you're like, oh, you know, four kids, they just kick them to, you know, a couple of kids just kick them to another room and, you know, they do their thing and it's like, okay, great. Now it's like there's something to do all the time with these kids. Like, Anybody else know what I'm saying? It's like you're running to do this, and then there's this class, and then there's this, and there's this, this thing going on after school, and you're like, I mean, I'm just sitting over here like in the fall looking at the leaves falling, wondering when I can get into a tree stand. Anybody hear what I'm saying? No, okay. So I'm like, you know, there's just no time for anything anymore, it looks like. And I'm, and I'm thinking through all this because it's like if I want if I really want to be part of what God is doing, it seems like, God, I need, to, I need more time. But we all have the same amount of time, right? When we get so locked in, like, uh, I'm not organized, as I was just telling you. Like, that's just not who I am. And then there are people who, like, try to be organized. Like, I just try to be functional. Like, I just want to function in society. Like, I'll just be a functioning member and I'll be good. I don't need to be organized. Like, I, I just isn't. But, like, I know people that are organized. And I went to college with someone who was the most organized person I've ever met. And not only were they organized, but they were obsessive about it so we played a trick on him one time I went over to his house we went over to his house all the time and I went into his bedroom and I was with my friend and I was like hey let's change some things around to see if he notices his name was Bo and I said well let's go into let's go to his room and and let's mess around with some stuff now I'm not talking about let's take a pillow off the perfectly made bed and set it on the ground and see if he notices that's obvious I'm talking about his cell phone charging cable 
being perfectly straight on his bed, his bedside table. I'm talking about moving it like this. And then I'm talking about his lampshade that had the crease on the lamp. Instead of it being against the wall, you turn it a little bit. And then like he had all of his watches lined up and I just would move them a little bit. I just did this once and I'll tell you why I only did it once. Because he went into the bathroom and he came out and he's like, Aaron! You would have thought I slaughtered a cow on top of his bed. Like you would have just, you, I was, with his reaction, I thought, oh my goodness. He's like, did you come in here and mess stuff up? I'm like, I don't know what got messed up. <laughs> he's like, everything, it's all, it's all everything. He's like, the lampshade, my cell phone cable, my watch. I'm like, well, those are the only three things I did, so... But that's how, we get with our, that's how we get with our spiritual lives. We get so stuck. And if anything begins to change, we're like, God, what did you do to me? God, was it, I mean, I just wanted this nice, little, consistent, predictable life. And then there's this person in my life who's going through a divorce, and they're constantly wanting to talk about it. And I just, I don't know if I'm, I, I can't have that. So God, get this person out of my life so I can live the life you want me to. You see, we're so good at passing by people. We're so good at just saying, you know, I've got my own thing happening. I've got, I've got my own kids stuff happening. Like, I just, I can't see, I can't see above it. And, and I have that too. I struggle with it all the time. I have to pray constantly. I have to say, God, put somebody in my life. And put them, I mean, I'm, God, you got to be blunt with me. Put them right in front of my face. And I can, let me tell you something. If you pray that prayer, God's going to come through. Because you want to know why? Because that's a prayer that he likes to hear. I'm not saying he doesn't like to hear other prayers, but that's just one you get excited about. That's one he's going to say, all right, I'm going to put some people in your life that you can just love. And, you know, I think we want to, we want to make it so much bigger than it is. And it's just, it's, it's in our nature. But I'll never forget my grandma, and I've told this story before, but my, my grandma, she didn't have much money, and she didn't feel like she had much to offer the world, especially when it came to church. And, 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 and she just, you know, that's my grandma, and her son's the pastor, and she sees, you know, it's like, oh, you know, that ministry thing, you know, that's for you. I'm glad you're doing that because I'm doing my own thing kind of, you know. And, but, but she had this thing where she would, every time she would see someone who was in need, she would see a family, maybe the family lost a relative, or, or maybe somebody was going through a rough time, or, or maybe, there was, uh, maybe there was somebody who lost a job. She would, she would say, okay, I, I'm going to, and she didn't have a lot of money to begin with, but she would get a big, go grocery shopping, make a big meal and an apple pie, and go and deliver that meal to those people. And, and she probably thought in this moment, like in the moment she's doing this, like, well, yeah, you know, I'm going to do this. And, you know, I guess they need a meal. And, and I'm going to try to help. When we did her funeral, there was literally hundreds of people here that were lining up, talking to us and saying, you know, when I was going through a rough time, she made me a pie. And it just made, I'll never forget it. I remember being 12 years old and listening to all these people say that. And I, I'll never forget it because we, like, we, we want the big moments. We want the exciting times. But sometimes God does his greatest work through small acts of kindness. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Don't neglect, no, don't neglect to see those opportunities in your life. Because without taking up those opportunities, we may be, we, we, I mean, we can, by taking those opportunities up, we can be the answer to prayer for someone else. So the question is, 
Are you asking God for those opportunities? Are you, are you going to him and saying, all right, God, I want to see people the way you see them. I want those opportunities to reach people. This is what 1 John chapter 5 says. This is a really inspiring verse for me. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Remember we talked about earlier, there's nothing we can do to earn it. We have it. It's, it's within us. Once we've accepted it, it's within us. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And, we, if, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. You know, going to God like this means that we're living a life that is open. And, and I think what we want to do sometimes is, we, we, we go to our, our jobs and we want to try to conceal all of our struggles. All the things that we have going on in our life that we know are negative, that maybe other people would perceive as negative things. We want to cover those things up. And we want to put on, our little, we want to put on a face that would, that would make sure that we just look like we're Christians. And we want to be perfect. And we want people to see Christians as perfect. Because, I mean, heaven forbid, somebody sees somebody doing something bad and then I'm a hypocrite and I'm... But the truth is, when we live our lives openly before God, we can allow the things, even those things that we might struggle with, to be a help to those who are also struggling. Do you guys get what I'm saying by this? Instead of putting on a face when it comes to sharing our faith and reaching out and helping others, we we don't have to share and reach out and help and do those acts of service for people from a place of I have everything together but we're all in this together. That's always inspiring for me because one of the greatest temptations, you know, growing up in church my whole life, my my greatest temptations, one of my greatest struggles is being pessimistic about people's faith. That's just, that's just, Part of like the way that I was raised, I guess as a young person, I was just conditioned. I saw people coming to church and I was like, you don't mean it. I mean, that's just, that was, that was what was going on in my young mind. I'm like, you know, I don't think you mean it. I don't think you mean it. Uh, maybe you are in this for the real, I mean, you, so like I, I was so pessimistic towards people's love for God, their relationship with God. And I thought that I had it all together. And I was like, I'm the church, I'm the church person, you know, I'm here all the time, and I've got this whole thing figured out. It took me a while to realize that I still don't have it all figured out, and maybe never will. But that's the beauty of it, right? That's the beauty of growing together with a group of people in a church, is that we can share in each other's struggles, we can help each other resolve issues, and we can be there for one another when we need it. It's part of not just what makes a great church community, but it's part of what makes a great Christian is realizing that we don't have it all together on our own, that we need God's help, and it will be that very reason that we can then share and have authentic conversations with people. So, we do our best to love God and serve people with our actions, and that's what being authentic can really be. We don't pretend to be perfect in order to feel like we're ready to share our faith. Well, I'm just not quite perfect enough. I mean, this person, you know, that person saw me, you know, say that thing to that person at work, and now I just don't think, I think my, I think my witness is gone. No, it's, it's not. 
The, the great thing about being a Christian is we can be authentic and, and real, and people will realize we have struggles, everyone has struggles, and that God is the one who's helping us through those struggles. So, as we continue to follow in the footsteps of Jesus through this story, we, we begin to see that, that there's somebody, you know, regardless, you know, there's this person who's represented that regardless of what these Jewish people think about with this good Samaritan, that there's, even though there's something that they don't like, they can't argue with the fact that even a person they don't like doing something good still counts in God's kingdom. And so Jesus encourages this theologian. He says, I want you to go and do likewise. I want you to go and be like this person, to do the things he's doing. And so if there's a challenge that I have for you this morning, I want you to think about a couple of things. That as we go about our lives, first of all, I, I, before we even get to those challenges, I hope that this, as it has me, this, this series, I hope this has helped you begin to look at the people in your life that you can bring hope to. And, and I'm not talking about you can bring hope and like, oh, I've got, I'm, I'm going to be doing this and I'm going to do something nice for this person, but I'm going to make sure I have my little angle in there. No, no angles. Just be nice. Oh, I, I know that there's this person in my life. I mean, I don't know why this person's always, you know, coming and talking to me and just dumping all their problems on me. I don't know what to do with this. Have you considered listening? Well, I don't know if I have the right words to say. You don't have to. Well, you know, there's this, there's this person that I just always see when I'm in this place. There's this, I, I don't know why I always see this person. I know why you always see that person. God's put them there. It's a divine appointment. Try saying hi to them. You see, it's not as complicated as we make it. Sharing our faith means that we live our lives as we do with an openness to see how God could work in other people's lives. I want to read this scripture out of Ephesians chapter number three. This is one of those really encouraging verses when it comes to sharing our faith. And, and it's important that we read it. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I think for most of us, this verse is a cure when it comes to sharing our faith. Because when you're like, oh, you know, you, you've, got the, you've got the wrong girl. You've got the wrong guy. I'm, I'm not out there talking about how much I love God all the time. You see, this verse talks about how there's a power that's at work within us. And for most of you, you would believe that, that there is something that has happened within you, that there's been a change, there's been a shift, there's been something different about you before you came to a relationship with God and then after. And so because of that shift, there's this power that's working on the inside of you. And when we choose to say, to, to let that power just stay within us and not allow it to help others, we live 
lives that are selfish. We would say, all right, we, we would, we, it's like the people that I hear ask me all the time, well, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. Jesus outlines in this parable what God's will is. That we would love God with everything that we have and that we would be a neighbor to someone. That's God's will. You want to know what God's will is for your life. Love God and do your best to help others experience his love too. And it isn't as difficult as we make it to be. It's simple, but we have to take the step to say, all right, God, those two prayers, those are, my cha- those are the two things I want to challenge you with this week. Pray those prayers. God, help me see people through your eyes and give me divine opportunities to reach those people. If the love of God is in you, God will show you the people to share it with. If it's happening, if, it's, if there's something within you that's sort of, you know, boil, bubbling, boiling up, it, it, it can't help but stay there. It just people begin to see that there's something happening in you. And as you share that love with others, God will continue to bring people that you can affect positively. I don't know about you, but when I die and people are at my funeral, I want people to be lined up saying, you know, he had something really nice to say with me one time, and it was life-changing for me, or he did something really nice for me, or he did that. That's, that's the life I want to live where people could be affected by things that I don't even know that I'm aware of, but it's because I'd be walking in obedience to God. And I'd say, all right, God, help me to see people the way you see them. Put people in my life that I could just even in a small way affect for your kingdom. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray, and, and, and just in this moment, Maybe you're challenged as I am when I read these scriptures about how how easy it is for me to just get caught up in my own life, caught up in the busyness of kids and the stress of a home life or or the stress of a of a demanding job and and and, and how quickly it is for me to push aside the things that God's called me to do. Let's just pray. Let's ask God to remove some of those some of those hindrances and, and to give opportunities for us to share God's, to share his love. God, I just, I pray for each and every person here, including myself, God, that you would give us opportunities this week to show your love. That you through your love and through your mercy would pick us up, would put us on your path you would give us the courage that it takes to show kindness, to show love, and to show care. God, for each and every one of us that have people in our lives that need you, God, give us opportunities to share. Give us opportunities to love. In Jesus' name. Now, if you'd be here this morning and you would Say, I'm, I'm here and I want to uh, take a step and, and, and give my life to Jesus. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you're, you're like what I was sharing earlier. You, you, you maybe know about God, but you've never accepted that free gift of salvation. You've never prayed that prayer that would say, I, I, I want that. I want to make a change. I want to walk toward Jesus. If that's you here this morning, we want to pray with you. And I just want to ask that if that's you, you would raise your hand right now. 
raising your hand, you would say, yep, that's me. I want to pray. I want to be a part of this journey with Jesus. All right. For those of you who raise your hand and everybody in the congregation will all pray this prayer a few words at a time. The prayer itself is not a magic trick. It's not a, it's not a magic potion. It's, it's just simply an opportunity where you can say, I've realized that I need Jesus in my life and I want to take that step in a relationship with him. Let's pray this prayer just a few words at a time out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in need of your mercy. I leave behind my old life and I accept your new life right now in Jesus' name. Amen. God, thank you for all those who committed this morning. And I pray that for each and every one of us, God, as our journey, whether our journey is moments or a lifetime old, that you be with us wherever we go, that you would help us to see that you're always there. In Jesus' name, amen.